When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Support for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I used to use a regular beard trimmer uh, for uh, taking care of business down below. Oh, dude, I just gave up on it. I just <laughs> gave up on it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, after you uh, nick yourself a couple of times and, uh, you know, I'm really sensitive about that area because I really don't know what's going to happen if I cut into something that is a pump full of blood. You know what I'm saying? Well, dude, I'm super excited that we were some of the first people to get to try the lawnmower 4.0. In fact, Josh, I'm using it right now. Oh, why'd you have to leave the video on? Come on, dude. Ah, smooth as eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, though, man, I love this. I have really, really sensitive skin. So getting to have advanced skin safe technology on this thing, I now feel confidence shaving not only my face, but below the waist. Right. And now you don't even have to bust out your cell phone flashlight because it has a light on the front of it. To hit those dark areas makes all the difference in the world. So I'm just telling you guys right now, our listeners, if you guys are shaving your face and body with the same trimmer, you are doing it wrong. So if you want to pick up your own Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer or any of the other great products that are offered by Manscaped, like these amazing boxer briefs that they sent us. So comfortable. Head on over to manscaped.com and use promo code FEARSCAPE and get 20% off and free shipping. Again, 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com promo code fearscape unlock your confidence now smooth as eggs hi friends this is kelly with wishful drinking and binge thinking the podcast where I get just absolutely hammered and I dole out psychological advice. That's right, I am going to be more drunk than that girl you met in the bar bathroom after your karaoke set who said, you have such good stage presence, oh my god. That's right, zero preparation, multiple drinks, countless profound gems. Tune in the last Monday of every month on Fearscape Media Network. Thank you for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. We are on a journey to understand and to discover the phenomena that seems to exist all around the globe. We invite you to join us on this journey into the unknown.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another thought-provoking episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. I'm your host, Stefan Gearhart, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, who looks like a dry piece of toast, Mr. Josh Rutledge. How are you, sir? Where's your butter? I mean, you know, I'm trying to get down on that moisturizer game, but, you know, it's it's tough. You to Wait till you get to Arizona. <laughs> You're just going to be a pile of ash. Just walking well, around. I, I, you know, I, I realized the other night that, um, you know, I, I use I sleep with a CPAP at night and I realized that I'm going to have to use the uh, uh, the what's the water, the humidifier part mm-hmm. of it out there. Like now I can get by without it because the house is humid enough, but out there I'm going to have to use it. Oh, yeah. I mean, people just naturally have we have humidifiers most of the year anyways yeah. <laughs> so but anyways is dry, dry. So. but yeah we got a really cool episode you guys thank you guys so much for tuning in as you usually do we have author podcaster uh blogger um crypto man of the year in my opinion mr lon strickler is going to be on the show tonight uh getting spooky with lon strickler uh this man uh, phantoms and monsters like that's all i gotta say man yeah is just what an incredible guy and so we're gonna uh, have him on tonight we're gonna be getting spooky with him so please 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 stick around for that amazing interview uh but josh let's get moving man you know we got we got lots to talk about lots of things like reminding people to like share rate review all that jazz uh when you're out there on apple podcasts and you know all the other places you can rate and review uh as well as making sure to join our patreon because you know for example you know this aired Two weeks ago on our Patreon, uh, we're actually uh, letting the interviews that we have with folks. We're doing those live now um, for Patreon members only nine dollar tier and above. Uh, it's pretty cool. And so uh, the this interview with Lon Strickler is going to be the first one. And uh, it's something you don't want to miss. You'll be able to get to see these interviews unedited, <laughs> you know, and yeah. extra right. kind of back and forths and things like that uh, live on Patreon uh, and for Patreon members only. So, you know, make sure you get out there, patreon.com slash fearscapepod or fearscapepodcast.com slash support. Uh, so much other stuff, of course, uh, wristwatch and all, all, all the oh, yeah. stuffs. All the all Patreon the stuff. stuff, you know, and the store, mm-hmm. you know, get you some Jersey Devil t-shirts and socks. And I'll tell you what, I wear them in their comfy. You know, the only thing that I wish Redbubble had and they don't is pajama pants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would get me some Red Devil, not some not Red Devil, Jersey Devil. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, so lots of ways to help support the show. And uh, we like to give back when you give forward. So uh, please go ahead and check out all of those things on our fearscapepodcast.com. There's lots of links everywhere. Um, let's go ahead and get right into... Our first segment, as usual, Psychic Word of the Week. And now, the Psychic Word of the Week. Psychic Word of the Week, as usual, comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from June G. Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, honey bear. Rest in peace. Shut up. That's my girl. Okay. Uh, Rest in peace, honey bear. We love you. Don't even know you. Um, So I flipped through the pages, Josh. I landed on page 526. And the phrase that popped out to me this week was Raven's wing. Ooh, Ooh, 
It is the wing of a raven and close and shut. No. <laughs> uh, raven's wing. It's an al- alchemy term. Uh, says a rock crystal formation of blue black fluid in the alchemist's receptacle, which on contact with air will solidify and break up. This is then an entirely new substance, unknown in nature, possesses all the properties of pure chemical elements, which cannot be separated by chemical means. The essence of the metals called the soul will someday be released from the hermetically sealed receptacle that the alchemist so tenderly handled in the furnace hmm. so it starts out as a liquid mm-hmm. and then becomes a solid nope no yeah, well, it's a, well it says a rock crystal formation of blue black fluid uh, that which on contact with air yes yeah, solidifies and breaks up creating a new substance uh, unknown in nature um, and it has pure chemical elements that cannot be separated by chemical means uh, the essence of the metals is called the soul which will someday be released um, you know what w- when we get to alchemy kinda, I definitely don't know a whole lot yeah. about so. what this kind of reminds me of uh, though is uh, in the um, HB and uh, HBO sorry the Showtime uh, docuseries on UFOs you know the, the one mm-hmm. from JJ we talked about with uh Chrissy with Chrissy mm-hmm. um, there's a there's w- at least one episode where the where, where a couple witnesses talk about coughing up this blackish blue uh, liquid after their mm. encounter interesting I didn't even like put that two and two together my brain just went to full metal alchemist so <laughs> but Man. yeah so you know what if there's some sort of a linkage there so well i mean we see that a lot like you know obviously if this if she had written this today i don't think she would have called it the encyclopedic psychic dictionary i think it would have been called like the 40 dictionary or yeah. the new age dictionary or something along high strangeness along those lines right um because there's more than just psychic stuff obviously there's alchemy in there we're talking about ufo stuff and um bigfoot and the like uh, but yeah, very interesting. That would be something to uh, throw in there uh, or to think about there. Is that the same stuff? Uh, we we know how all connected this stuff can be. So yeah, well, and you know, it makes you think if uh, if anybody listening happens to have an experience like that, instead of spitting it in the sink, spit it into a vial and see if it turns solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let it get some contact with right. the air. And uh, go from there. <laughs> All right, Josh. Well, let's get moving on, man. I want to get to lawn. Uh, so let's go to our next segment here, which is the Mandela effect. Did you say Mandela? No, no. I said Mandela. Mandela. The Mandela effect. The Mandela effect. All right, our Mandela effect. You guys know uh, things that some people remember that other people don't that is not shown that way anymore. A lot of this tends to be pop culture, of course, um, but, uh, you know, not necessarily. Sometimes it's history related as well. Uh, So I've got uh, two here for you. Uh, The first one that I have is not pop culture related, and that is the color chartreuse. Now, when you think of the color chartreuse, what what color do you think of? Kind of like a pinkish color. 
Right. That's what I think as well. However, we are both incorrect. Uh, Chartreuse is actually a shade of green uh, and people will fight about it, whether or not Chartreuse Mm. is green or reddish pink. However, it is actually a yellow green color and it gets his name from a greenish liquor called Chartreuse. Interesting. Well, before I gave the answer, pinkish color in my brain popped green. Well, so good for I, you, Josh. I went, I went against my brain and said pinkish color, but you know, <laughs> so. So, but yeah, very interesting. I've always thought of chartreuse as thing, but I've looked on a number of different color wheels and it comes up and it does. It shows like this yellow pukey green. So mm. gross. Um, the, well, other- now, the way you remember it now is you just think, chartreuse sharp puke and then you'll know that it's like this yellowish green mm-hmm yeah yep forever um the next one does come from pop culture and this one's one that i really struggled with as well as comes from gremlins is uh the 1984 cult classic of course that was a hit with kids and adult movie goers uh but those who saw the movie remember the name of the main villain villainous gremlin differently what do you think his name was spike that's what i remember it as as well as spike However, as it turns out, his name, in fact, is Stripe. Uh, It's always been Stripe. Everything on there is Stripe. Um, You know, I think maybe the confusion just comes because he has a spike. But in the movie, he's always referred to as Stripe um, because I think Mm. that Stripe was his name as a grem or as a mogwai before he turned into a gremlin. And so it stayed that way. I swear I had. Like I had a little children's book of that went like went through the actions of the Gremlin story, but in a children's book, which mm-hmm. which is weird when you think about the fact that there was a children's book for for Gremlins. That's the '80s. Look at yeah. Ghostbusters <laughs> now is looked at as kind of like a kids' movie, but it's yeah. not. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, and I, and I swear I remember. I mean, I can remember every page in that book, and I swear it said spike in that book no and it says here on my website here that i read these from that uh there is some confusion though now uh being added to the confusion as there are some licensed things now that do say spike over the last few years that they've kind of just said you know what let's go with it because that's how people remember it um but it is anything prior to that all says stripe so i wonder if in the second gremlins maybe there was a spike in that and people were confusing the two Maybe that's a possibility. Because there wasn't, there was a similar haired Mogwai Gremlin in Gremlins too. So, you know, it's like well, the one we talked about, Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. and you know, do people think about Tiny Tunes and just assume that Looney Tunes was T O O N S instead of T U N E S? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. You know. Um, real quick, one last one is uh, Billy Graham's funeral. Billy Graham, the preacher uh, extraordinaire, Billy Graham. Uh, and it's interesting because the picture they have on here is of his son, which I think is hilarious. Um, but uh, when, when do you recall Billy Graham dying? Oh, I, I really don't know. I don't know. Maybe early 2000s. 
Right. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like it's about 10, 15 years ago. I feel like I remember like the big funeral, like it was a big ordeal. Um, and so here's what this says. It's interesting that so many deaths of public figures are remembered quite differently from person to person. Uh, Reverend Billy Graham is one such example. Many, many folks swear that they remember watching the evangelist funeral on TV at least a decade or more ago, much like we just said so. But in reality, uh, Billy Graham passed away only back in 2018 so three years ago um but many many folks including myself remember a televised funeral um of billy graham deck a decade or so ago mm. so very interesting i i'm still shocked to see that this man only died three years ago because i swear he died eight before i even like got together with sarah well and you know i'm, I'm wondering too because he had a big he did a big you know speaking event in louisville yeah, i don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that when you were still when you were yeah. still out here but um so i wonder if like people maybe confuse the news coverage of all of the traffic and everybody that went to see that speaking event as and then they know it was billy graham related and so they just assumed that maybe it was for his funeral who knows I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's the power of the Mandela effect, Josh. That's the, the that's Mandela the, effect. That's the shut up. <laughs> that's the craziness. So, anyways, well, let's get moving on, man. Let's get to our final segment here, um, so JD can get his rocks off. Let's go ahead and move right into Cryptid of the Week. Hi, y'all. It's the Jersey Devil. Hope y'all are ready to meet some of my friends. Okay, Josh, I'm about to push Stephanie out of the way. I want to know which one of my friends you're going to be talking about. Uh, We're talking about the Thetis Lake Monster. I have no idea who that is. Uh, Well, it it was first reported in 1972. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Obviously, I'm way younger than that. Look at me. (laughs) Roughly 200 years after you were born, I think. So, yeah. In uh, British Columbia, Canada. You ever make it up to the to the Canada area? Girl, I go to Canada all the time. I, they film so many CW shows in Vancouver. I'm in a lot of them. <laughs> so uh, so this is an aquatic humanoid-like. Um, I mean, it, it basically looks like the creature from the Black Lagoon in, in the drawing that they have here. And so uh, it says, you know, in the 1950s, the monster movies made it old school. 3D film technology, picture, paper, 3D glasses, one red lens, one blue lens, very different from the glasses we use today. Gilman, the film's aquatic star, was a fictional prehistoric monster from the Amazon rainforest in South South America. It looked very much like eyewitness descriptions of the Thetis Lake Monster. Interesting. You know that I have one red eye and one blue eye, and so I see things in three dimensions. I don't... Is, is that true? I think... I mean... We all see most people don't know that because I wear contacts. I mean, we all see things in three dimensions. Well, I see it in 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 1950s three dimensions, Josh. (laughs) You know what would suck is if you had one red one red eye and one blue eye and you were colorblind and you couldn't see the red spectrum. Oh yeah, that would suck. (laughs) So, anyways, uh, for nearly 20 years, Gilman was considered pure fiction. Then two teenagers claimed to have been attacked by its cousin in British Columbia, Canada. According to the Victoria Daily Times, 
The boys were chased from the Thetis Lake Beach in 1972 by a silver scale covered biped five feet tall. One of the boys had a bloody wound left by the six razor sharp points on the monster's head. Mm, Josh, this is starting to sound like um, Claude uh, Beast of the Ohio and yeah. uh, the goblins here. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, it says here that uh, the police said the boys uh, seemed sincere until we determined otherwise. We had no alter alternative but to continue our investigation. Four days later, a man reported his pet uh, Tegu lizard missing near the lake. It was three feet long with a black and white skin. Uh, satisfied the boys had actually seen the aggressive lizard, law enforcement closed the case. Uh, Daniel Loxton, the editor of Junior Skeptic Magazine in Victoria, never believed the Tegu lizard explanation, but he didn't believe the eyewitness story either. In 2009, he checked the 1972 television listings on a hunch, and his suspicions were confirmed. About a week before the attack, a local station had played Beach Girls and the Monster, a movie I know that of, song. Did you know that I used to cover that when I was a Bohemian? I, I thought maybe you were a part of the Beach Boys. You're the long lost member. Well, I I, I inspired them, but I was not a part of them. <laughs> so it's a movie about an aquatic monster attacking teenagers. The two witnesses later admitted their story was a hoax, but the legend lingered. In 2012, fishermen said they saw a lizard man on the lake and another eyewitness saw a humanoid with webbed hands and a monster face eating cat food on the back porch of a nearby house hmm. so yeah i mean it's uh it does sound very familiar you know similar to the Claude Beast, Loveland Frog, mm-hmm. Kelly Hopkinsville you know the whole in very again it's just it came from the water what else is under the water what caves exist to go out yeah. into the land and everything else so, you know it's it's just one of the another one of those mysteries right so. now you're like man did the person that created creature from the black lagoon where did they get their idea from did they too, have right? an experience right yeah yeah who knows i don't know i don't know but i'll tell you i told you he's not my friend but i want to go to canada and meet him though he sounds super cool josh i'll bet you i could get his autograph for you be wet but i could get it well, I mean, if he's a lizard man, he probably is super cool because he's cold-blooded. Well, Andy's in Canada, duh. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if he's a snowbird. Probably. <laughs> he swims right. south for the winter. Thank you, JD. Thank you. Uh, all right, Josh, thank you so much. Uh, so, yeah, great, cool cryptid of the week, man. I'm really excited about that. And, of course, speaking of cryptids, we've got Lon Strickler on the show tonight. We're going to be getting spooky with Lon Strickler in just a few minutes. So please, 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 y'all stick around. We'll be right back. Hey there, blanket huggers. Stefan here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Got some good news for you. If you want to join in on the investigation of the mystery of the recent emails from the man claiming to be Terry Rist to Josh and myself, a.k.a. the Spooky Crew, uh, and his advice on where to look for more high strangeness, uh, or if you simply want to become a patron blanket hugger for some cool swag and behind-the-scenes goodness... 
go ahead and join our Patreon at fearscapepodcast.com slash support or patreon.com slash fearscapepod. There you can get Risk Watch access to the Terry emails themselves, the WhatsApp conversation about it all with Josh, Stefan, Santosh, and Olaf Phillips, and even any clues that are new that we have found in other Fearscape-related bonus content. You can even help out and add anything that you have found to help us dive deeper into the mystery. And remember, you can also just be a normal blanket hugger, as there are a few non-wristwatch tiers for patrons not interested in Terry Wrist and that journey. You'll still have access to bonus interviews, articles, and live Patreon-only Q&As, as well as early access and discounted tickets to events put on by Fearscapes, such as psychic events, tarot readings, etc. Or you can simply support however you feel comfortable, with tiers as low as $1. So join today! <laughs> Thank you guys so much for sticking around. As promised, we have Lon Strickler here with us. Uh, we are just so absolutely honored and blessed, sir, to have you uh, joining Josh and myself here on uh, Fearscape. How are you tonight? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, I, I big fan, uh, number one. <laughs> um, and uh, again, thank you for coming on. I, I Without... I try to avoid asking the kind of standard interview type questions. Um, but I, I really am interested in, you know, did you ever think that, you know, you would be doing what you're doing now? Like when you were a kid, was this like, you know what, one day I want to be, you know, a lead 40 and researcher, or was this just kind of something you stumbled into? Well, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, so there was no thing as paranormal investigators back then. And when you did talk about that, you got funny looks. So, uh, no, I uh, I had no inkling that this was going to happen. <laughs> so so what was the thing that kind of set you over the, the line? What was the thing that really got you interested? Well, <clears throat> I always knew something was up with me. Um, I was I was raised near Gettysburg um, and I'm. Actually, I'm living back where I got raised and uh, lived down in Maryland for about 40 years. And I moved back up, back up here in 2016. So anyway, when I was a kid, I used to spend a lot of time on the battlefield. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I liked the battlefield because of the history. I was a little history nerd. And uh, I was about nine. This was like 67, 68 1967, 1968. And uh, I was riding my bike out there and I was in the area of the, what they call the Valley of Death. And that, for those who knew the battlefield, it's between Little Round Top, Devil's Den, and uh, the Wheat Field. Uh, so the second day of the battle, very heavy action there. Anyway, all of a sudden, it was like a, uh, like a TV screen opened up in front of me. Hmm. And I just started hearing, seeing all kinds of stuff gunfire cannon fire smoke soldiers all my senses were heightened and um that lasted for about 30 seconds and then it just closed off and you know i'm sitting there stunned on my bike you know wondering what the hell happened hmm. and uh, so but that's the day i knew you know that's the day i knew something was different and um 
Uh, you know, I had, you know, even before and beyond that, I, I had had seen some sense of maybe apparitions or yeah. felt spirit energy and such. I am an intuitive, so uh, that contributed to it. And uh, yeah, and be after that, I started actually doing my own investigations in high school. Uh, which was, you know, nobody did that back then, yeah. unless you, you were, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you know, unless you were a powwow or somebody like that. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was I, actually I was born and raised around powwowers for most of my life, so I kind of knew the whole culture with the Appalachian folklore thing and the yep. Dutch and and. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, I um, I started doing that for the time I was in high school. You spend a lot of nights out in the battlefield, though. You used to take my friends out there, scare scare them to death. And <laughs> <laughs> now, is that is that you scaring them on purpose, or just oh, yeah. them having experiences? No, they they were having experiences too. Okay. And this stuff was drawing toward me for the most part, and you know, you know, I, I consider myself as a beacon as well as an intuitive, and yeah. I get a lot of stuff. I tracked a lot of things. So yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting. It's almost like it's. You know, I think of it like a gravity well, like, you know, you're just kind of walking around and think you're just uh, unconsciously pulling things in uh, that are just happening to walk around or be close by or whatever the case may be. So. Happens all the time. I yeah, mean, like I had a psychic tell me similar. It was like he referred to it as like you're like a stage that has a bright light they want to play on. Yeah. That's how he referred to it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I. I, it didn't bother me when I was growing up and as I got a little older, but, you know, I, I had issues going into antique shops, funeral homes, oh, yeah. graveyards, yeah. cemeteries, you know. It seems like everybody wants to, you know, wants me to hear their story. And, um, yeah, guess it'd I mean, be, you, you know, guess it'd be a real pain sometimes, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, do you, you know, and that's the question. Do you, do you ever wish that you could turn it off? No. Yeah. I enjoy I, it, but, you know, <laughs> it, you know. It, it's just part of me and uh, I've gotten used to it but it can be it can be tiring sometimes it can be especially yeah. when I'm trying to sleep yes uh, sometimes you'll get that little <laughs> window up and up and something peering in there and you're thinking oh god they're gonna leave me alone tonight but it happens. <laughs> my, my sister's a medium and she talks about that a lot and you know she can hear and see and one of the things she's worked on over the years is what she calls the double blink you know to kind of double blink to kind of just at least get the visual out of the way so she can focus on the thing that she's trying to do because right now I don't have time for you. I'm I'm because she's a nurse too. So she sees them oh. all the time. Yeah. She's um, surrounded by all the time. And she's like, I have to take this man's blood. I can't, I can't tell him right now that you're sad that you died a year before him. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I just call that astral chatter for the mm-hmm. most part. That's just, you know, you know, when I'm working, uh, on something, if I'm working with you know uh, a spirit or, or especially an earthbound or something, I will, I will get that astral chatter come in. You you just got to push it aside. You know that's why I like working with somebody because they can kind of take over and yeah, kind of help alleviate it. And, and it works both ways too. So yeah. um, so do you do you work with others that are intuitives or mediums or whatever? Yeah, you know when I can find somebody that's worthwhile to work with, but yeah. um, I, I've got a lady I work with now. She's excellent. Yeah, and um, yeah, so we've been working on some things, especially things involved with what's going on in Chicago. So uh, yeah, yeah. You know, well, we're I was doing some uh, remote viewing. We're going to do some remote viewing and a few other things as far as that goes. I'm glad to see um, that over the years there's become more of an acceptance 
of the intuitive side and psychic side of things in some go now there's still the hardcores that say you can't have anything psychic in there it's got to be all completely science-based but for those of us that are intuitive or have family or, or friends or things like that we know it can sometimes make or break an investigation and oh, absolutely. really and we are my sister being this way as well you know sometimes these folks on the other side need help and that's part of the yeah. gift um you know when it comes to and you know what what's going on out in chicago with these winged humanoids we believe are ultra terrestrial beings mm -hmm. and uh you know we're just trying to find how they're getting in why they're coming in and uh you know i believe for the most part it's going to have to be a metaphysical evidence that we gather and then go from there and maybe yeah. be able to uh you know, I don't particularly want to stop it, but, you know, I just want to understand what's going on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, and, and if, whatever I can do to help, because we've got a huge team working on it. So it, it is it is definitely bumping its way through paranormal news for the past couple of years. I mean, we have yeah. covered many stories um quite a bit uh covering yeah, the, the different uh things that have been seen in the chicago especially near o'hare and things like that mm -hmm. yeah that, that woman that uh, saw the thing perched on her back fence you know one night i mean that was that was a crazy a crazy account um you know i think it's i think it's interesting because I, I know you have a book that is really i think it's called uh, something about mothman the mothman of chicago i i'm butchering the name i know um, well, i've got two of them actually i've got i've got mothman dynasty yeah chicago's winged humanoids that was the one I, I i did after the first year of the sightings um but then the sightings continued and i had to write another one so what i did the first part of the book covered from um oh i guess the end of 2017 up to the uh to the end of 2019 and uh some of the o'hare uh, activity got put in there as well but i was covering a whole lot of winged cryptids you know I've, yeah. been, mm -hmm. I've been investigating winged cryptids for a long time and uh it just doesn't have to do with winged humanoids it's a lot of different stuff right well and that's the thing i've been seeing is a lot of traditional mothman folks are pushing back on the chicago sightings which is really odd to me since there have been sightings of winged slash mothman type things outside of point pleasant for years yeah 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 i've been i've been looking into the phenomena for well i mean almost 40 years i mean mm -hmm. i had an encounter in 88 in pennsylvania that looked very much like what we're experiencing now what people are experiencing out there now uh, this phenomena has been around and, uh, you know, it's just been different places, but it just hasn't really gotten out in the mainstream. So, uh, you know, when this thing broke in Chicago, that just really opened everything up. Yeah, of course, you're going to get your detractors. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean that that's an anything. I, I kind of let that roll sure. off my back now. You know that's what you have to do. And I live so Josh and I are both from Kentucky. Um, Josh is still there, but I live in Arizona now. So of course mm -hmm. now I'm seeing a lot more of Quetzalcoatl and Thunderbird and things like that. But how it all still reminds me of so much of the stuff from out east as well. It's really interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see where this Chicago stuff goes because I have a lot. Yeah. I do improv comedy, so I've been up there a million times, have a lot of friends <laughs> up there, and I've got a friend or two that swears they've seen it walking home from Second City one night, you know, <laughs> so, just parked yeah. on the top of a building. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the signs themselves, um, you know, the whole, the whole thing is just um, – it's remarkable basically because the sighting witnesses are, are very forthcoming 
they stick to their story. They don't embellish on it. They, um, you know, that's unusual. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in the cryptid world, you got every, you know, you got a lot of people that, well, let's make it sound better. So we're yeah. going to start throwing this other stuff at it. But right now, in, including the, the three in 2011, I, um, I have about 129 sightings that we believe are valid. Uh, but there's a lot that people aren't reporting and there's, there are others that, you know, I just didn't get enough evidence to really put it out there. So, you know, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta take the good and the bad, but I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to get the best evidence out there in order for people to see what's going on and to kind of understand the whole thing. You know, of course you're going to get people, where's the photographs? Where's this? Well, they wouldn't believe a photograph anyways. Well, that's true. But, you know, mm-hmm. when you got something that's fleeting like these things have been, and they just suddenly show up, first of all, after you pick your jaw off the ground, you know, seeing <laughs> this thing, uh, you know, you're going to, are you going to fumble for your camera and try to take a photograph? No. I mean, this thing's yeah. gone, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, Josh will tell you, one of a really great UFO sighting we had in Point Pleasant was so fantastic. I mean, we were just watching it. It was like two minutes in before we go, oh, God, grab our phone. By the time I got my phone up to take a picture or to take a video, it zoomed away. It was already gone. You know, it's like you don't people don't understand. Like your first thought is not, oh, I should take a picture of this. Right. Your first Absolutely. thought is, is, what the hell is this? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> unless unless you're already videoing something, right? You're already taking a video of something else. And then it happens. Then you can try to catch something. But I mean, but it, but then you got the weird situations where, you know, there seem it always seems to be something wonky goes on with the camera. You know, something interferes with the electronics oh, yeah. or whatever. Um, you know, there's a there's a funny little meme that's been floating around where it's like, um, you know, quick, he's got a camera. You know, it's like these two aliens in a spaceship, and they say, "Now, quick, he's got a camera. Hit the uh, hit the button that's going to you know frazzle his camera system so he can't take a picture." <laughs> but it's but it really is. It's almost like almost like a defense mechanism um, for these creatures to not be caught on film so well you know i I've, i put it out there that if anybody wants to ever go on a, a radio show or anything and, and debate me on this thing go for it i mean and i haven't had takers yet so <laughs> i sure the hell wouldn't i'll be honest I mean, just like you said, that's where the respect comes. I mean, it's like you literally just told us how many other sightings you have, but you don't have enough evidence backing it up to put it out there, which already says, hey, look, I'm not putting stuff out there that I don't believe has real evidence behind it. And then that tells you there's so many more sightings that absolutely could be or like we said, people don't even talk about it that have seen stuff. Yeah, I got I got a bunch of a good bunch of people working with me and I have from the very beginning. You know, the first group we had, the task force that we had when we started with 2017, uh, you know, Rosemary Ellen Gondi was part of that team. And I was, uh, you know, I was bouncing this stuff off of her. But what we were doing, you know, when Tobias Manuel and I would get a uh, mm-hmm. get a report, we would send it over to her to call up the witness and, and you know, just get her take on it and see what they say. And, you know, I. The fact that people would would be getting upset with us because we wouldn't give out witness information or Mm. we wouldn't get specific on actual locations and, you know, saying that we, you know, we didn't follow up. Well, that's just not true. Um, Like I said, you know, if if you've got evidence against the way, if you've got evidence proving I'm faking this or anybody in the team is faking this, please bring forward on it. I mean, you know, just because you're respecting people and their privacy doesn't mean that you don't 
necessarily aren't putting your uh, full attention and uh, and resources into making sure that you know you're documenting things to the best of your ability. That's right. You know when you get when you get a case, any case, you automatically become part of that case when they report it to you. And the first thing I want to do is keep their information confidential, unless they say it's okay. And right. you do get a couple people that will grudgingly let you do it. But uh, for the most part, it, it's, you know, you, you get, in order to keep credibility, you've got to go ahead and, and keep everybody's information confidential. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to ever change it, regardless no, yeah. of who comes after me. Well, and it doesn't matter what it is. That's the downside to being in our community overall is there's always going to be detractors and the worst ones come from within the paranormal field on themselves. And they don't understand how that hurts everyone. Yeah. Um, and uh, but yeah, there's always going to be when it's something that is high strangeness. Right. I mean, they, people are are just well, sometimes they don't want to know. <laughs> Well, and I, I think it's also too that a lot of people it's all it's almost like a little bit of ter- territorialism mm-hmm. comes into play, you know. So you got you got the people out in Point Pleasant like no 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 Mothman yeah. is our thing. Mothman is you know maybe yeah. you got maybe you got Birdman out there. So you know it's just <laughs> <laughs> well you know I didn't give this thing the Mothman name. That was the press that did that. I was yeah. actually calling it the Chicago Phantom. Uh, I didn't want it to even be anything near Mothman, but, you know, when the press started saying Mothman and everybody in the community was saying Mothman, I said, well, I'll relent, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, but, I, you know, when I can describe the differences, then I will. Yeah. And quite frankly, these things don't look anything like the Mothman of Point yeah. Pleasant. Yeah, my first my first introduction to it was Tobias's book, The Lake Michigan Mothman. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first experience. Gosh, we talked about that ages ago, Josh. And, um, you know, that was my first experience there. And so, again, yeah, you've got it. You just got to roll with it. You know, like this is what it is. This is, you know, as much as we hate press, sometimes that press helps move that narrative along and helps move that topic yeah. to get seen. So. Well, it could have been a lot worse. I'll be honest with you. You know, the <laughs> Chicago Press, uh, early on, they were kind of eh, iffy about it. But, you know, I had a few people who were kind of sticking up for me. Um, Man Cal, he, I had, I was on him oh, a couple, yeah. his show a couple <laughs> times. And, you know, he wasn't giving me any crap about it. You know, he, he, was, he seemed to be genuinely interested in it. Mm-hmm. And then, this, you know, of course, Vice actually did a, a real good article on it, which just got it out there. And there have been some there have been some good uh, some good articles in in the press about it, uh, but of course you always get those that want to sensationalize and say hey, it's a demon and this. Oh and yeah, and yeah. Oh, you yeah. either get demon or owl. Like Absolutely. I'm like, what kind of six foot <laughs> owl, ten foot wingspan owl have you ever seen? Well, we had some early sightings that were described as owls, right? And uh, you know, of course, there've been owl owl type humanoid beings in the past yeah uh you know i've actually looked in several of them but um this thing we only had three or four early on and then we get a uh, a few here a few there there was a plate there's one area outside of chicago chicago called allsip uh there's <laughs> there's like uh there's a coca-cola factory out there and it's actually been seen two times as owl man out there mm-hmm. at two different occasions so uh you know Maybe there is something. 
I don't know. I just remember we had Keith Age on the show. Remember mm-hmm. he was on and we were talking to him and he was like, it's an owl, guys, because it was the oh the first O'Hare sighting where the uh, the traffic controller um, yeah. saw the creature. And I was like, Keith, that thing's huge, man. Like- it's like you know, over, over, <laughs> over six foot tall. And, and yes, That's there me. is there is there is a giant owl, but it stands like four feet tall at its max. And it lives in South, like South America or Australia or something. So why would it be flying around Chicago? Um, but yeah, you know, yeah. When, when actually when actually was the first, um, you know, quote unquote, Mothman or winged creature sighting in Chicago? Well, 2011, there were three sightings in South Chicago that were um that were actually reported to MUFON uh, in August and September, then in October. Uh, you know, the, the descriptions were fairly similar to what's going on now. Um, there was a photograph taken, but I'll be honest with you, I'm not really sure what that photograph was. It could have very well been a, a butterfly for all I know. You know? Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but anyway, it was... Um, you know, that kind of got the interest going, but it was just the three sightings, and it just died out. Now, of course, you know, the whole way through between 2011 and 2017, you get something here, you get something there, but it, it didn't make much stir, you know. But then, of course, when 2017 came around, and um, the first four sightings came into MUFON, mm. and the first one was the one in Oz Park which was a, um, which almost, I, I considered to look like that of a uh, an insectoid type being, but it had mm-hmm. red eyes, it had large wings, uh, but it went to MUFON. Well, you know, if you get a, a report into MUFON, they're not going to tell you anything. They're not going to tell you who it was or anything like that. So we had to do some digging. Manuel found her and uh, he taught, she was an attorney and he talked to her and uh, boy, she, she saw something. I mean, I absolutely know she saw something. Mm-hmm. So about that time, we started getting these owl reports. We had one at one of the um, uh, late night uh, food distributors. And then uh, there was another one out in Humboldt Park. Uh, then there was another one later. But they were described as uh, owl-like beings. They had the red eyes, but they, mm-hmm. had, they had a head and stuff like an owl and the wings like an owl. Those went into MUFON. Uh, we were able to get some information from some of the folks. Uh, they it was like pulling teeth for a while, but you know we got it. Uh, but then we, you know, at that time we started putting it out there that we were taking the reports. So I started, I bought an ad on Google, and uh, yeah, then it really started to hit. I mean, we were getting reports like crazy mm-hmm. then, and uh, you know, but I still know we didn't get all the reports. Nothing near to what oh, for the, sure. the people are oh, seeing yeah. out there, and. Uh, yeah, so th- this is about the time that all the controversy started. You know, it, you know, I for the sake of the show, I'm going to drudge this up a bit and tell you what really happened. But uh, I, I had an individual who was on our team, and they wanted to uh, to get personal information from the um, the witnesses, and kept bugging me and bugging me about it. And you know, I oh god, I'm, you know. What am I going to do with this? So I I, mm-hmm. I called Rosemary and I asked her, I said, Rosemary, what should I do with her? She said, kick her to the curb. <laughs> That's what I did. I kicked her out. And I told her why. And then all of a sudden she became a skeptic. And mm-hmm. then she hooked up with the um, the MUFON, uh, Illinois Director for MUFON, 
who is, I mean, he's a piece of work anyway. And, uh, you know, he, you know, MUFON was getting these reports. They weren't even following up on them. Mm-hmm. But when I started following up, my team started following up, oh, then they got interested. Right. So then they wanted to debunk everything. So it was him and her, then Lauren Coleman got involved. And you know, Lauren Coleman, you know, God yeah. love the guy, but he thinks he's John Keel's torchbearer. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what happened was, at the, you know, in the, the Mothman Festival in September, Rosemary actually put a presentation together about this, what's been going on in Chicago, and she presented it. And that really started getting some interest. And, um, you know, a lot of people attended that thing. So that that really where it kicked off at. But I'll be honest with you, that first year was just a whirlwind mm-hmm. because um, <clears throat> I'd say July and August, I was literally getting phone calls from people 24-7. And this wasn't witnesses. These were people who were familiar with the Mothman prophecies and the Harbinger doom thing and things are going to happen when people right. see these things. And they're just calling me at my number and wondering, what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen in Chicago? Are we safe here? Is something going to blow up? or what? You know, yeah. And I'm trying to, you know, trying to mitigate all that as much as I possibly could. <laughs> right. Uh, but no, it was it was constant. And again, it finally died down and I could actually concentrate on some of the work. But um, yeah, that first year was crazy. Well, and you know, um, something that we talk about a lot, and I, I think uh, if, if, you know, if you've actually read, which I think everybody on the call has, but if you've actually read Mothman Prophecies by Keel, you know, the, the last probably two chapters is really about Mothman. The rest of it's about all these UFO sightings that were happening yeah. in the area. Yeah. And so it really makes me think about, you know, the big uh, UFO sighting that happened over O'Hare, O'Hare in 2006. Right. And is there any, you know, correlation between that and this stuff happening now? Well, I think so. And, um, you know, if you if you have read the reports that I've been put, we've been putting out and I, with the map and the whole nine yards, mm-hmm. uh, we had, you know, when this stuff started in O'Hare full time, like in October 2019, then about 85 percent of the sites were coming from the O'Hare area, Rosemont area. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, there was one point where there was a, a oval UFO hover, seen hovering over the cemetery. There's a cemetery at O'Hara, uh, Green, the Rest Haven Cemetery. Uh, they left it there for whatever reason. And uh, this UFO was seen hovering above the cemetery and a humanoid-like being was ascended up into it. Wow. You know, that was that was seen by one of the dock workers at um I don't even know what company he worked for. And, you know, but I, you know, I wouldn't say it anyway. Yeah. But, uh, you know, <laughs> um, so that area around the western part of the, the car, the western cargo areas out at O'Hara has been really busy. And um, I'd say we've had five or six actual sightings within 100 yards of that cemetery. Wow. Maybe UFOs are just taxis for the dead. Possibly. Who knows? <laughs> I like that. It sounds like a great horror movie as well. <laughs> I'd watch the hell out of that. But, you know, ever since that, and you know, we had a we had a sighting in, in Rosemont, uh, in, in one of the local parks of a uh, one of these winged beings in the company of a gray and two female humanoids, and the woman who saw it, uh, she said this the the humanoids and the gray just suddenly vanished in a blue light. Mm. at one point and then this humanoid took his wing humanoid took off and uh, 
the interesting thing about that, before she even got a chance to talk to me, and she really never did talk to me, we, we you know, she got scared because she had a men in black encounter. Uh, it, it was like a men in black encounter. The guy wasn't wearing black. He was, I don't know right. what he was wearing. <laughs> but she, she's, she worked at a school. And this guy came up to her in the in the uh, in the cafeteria, and said, uh, "You didn't report this to anybody." And she's looking at him like, "How did you? You know, didn't didn't talk to him, but wondering how he found out." And uh, uh, she didn't say anything, and she just got away from him. But boy, after that, she was scared. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I never did get a chance to talk to her personally because she was just frightened. Uh, we exchanged emails, and she was very detailed on what had happened. But like ever since that, then we had the UFO sighting at O'Hara not long after that. Uh, and then we've had some truck drivers around that area as well, seeing grays walking around, walking around the O'Hara uh, tarmac as well. So there's something going on out there. Well, uh, and then you always wonder how far back does this really go, though, well, right? Like, I mean, Chicago has that whole area has had sightings for years and years and years and mm-hmm. years. And it's like, have you had that opportunity to have to say, let's look back and research old sightings to see if there's any correlation to what's happening now, like to see if this is not a new phenomenon, but a, an old one. Yeah, I mean, and we have we've been looking at everything. Uh, unfortunately, as far as actually seeing beings or um, anything associated with the airport other than what happened in 2006, mm-hmm. we don't really know. Now, Chicago overall, the whole area is well known for for UFO activity. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. there's been all kinds of UFO oh, yeah. activity. Well, I've, and I've, I've heard a theory. I heard a theory a couple of years ago that the great Chicago fire was uh, started by a crash, a UFO crash, and not actually by the, you know, whatever ladies well, like cow, cow kicked the lantern over the lantern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cow so, farted near a lantern or something. Yeah. Out of something. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I've never heard that one. That's I hadn't either. <laughs> uh, but no, I, um, <laughs> Yeah, I've heard a lot of weird things that have happened in Chicago. Uh, a lot of weird humanoid sightings right in the city. People would see something and just it kind of brush it off. And then a couple of years later, they uh, maybe I'll give this guy a call and tell him what I saw 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you well, do you get know, that. While the memory's sharp, right? And, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, look what it did to Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, this this Chicago thing is this whole Chicago incident and the whole investigation cases. I mean, it, there's there's not there has never been anything like this. I mean, I, I I just challenge anybody to find something that's been this big for this long, you know, especially in an urban setting like mm-hmm. Chicago. There, there have been a lot of sightings outside of Chicago, but. I just think it it's is. fascinating to still be getting press with the pandemic happening and then mm-hmm. the disclosure stuff happening and all of that, that this is still making its way, um, you know, it, it, that, it, you know, I think that may be why it's not hitting like Mothman hit in the 60s or whatever. But this is we still see articles all the time. I mean, now, granted, we're biased because we're on your website as well, but we see other articles <laughs> as well, um, you know, and things like that. Other news sources reporting on it. And I yeah. I think it's fascinating that through the pandemic and everything else that we're going through, we're still seeing stories about this. So you're absolutely right. It's 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 a big deal. Well, you know, I, I follow up on all this stuff and most of, most of the accounts that are getting in the newspaper come directly from me or from Tobias. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they go ahead and do what they want to do 
with. But, you know, just like, uh, and more recently, we had this sighting in July 22nd where it seemed like everybody and their brother at the airport saw this thing. And <laughs> we've been getting, you know, all kinds of reports. And I, in fact, I've, Manuel is writing another witness interview he had. I'm going to have it in the blog soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've got like one, two, three, at least eight or nine witnesses of that 20, uh, July 22nd sighting now. Wow. Uh, TSA agents descended on this thing, like eight trucks of T- TSA uh, security showed up. Supervisors from FedEx and United were showing up. Um, the, the cargo workers were scared to death. I mean, they 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 all hot. They were hiding in the plane. Mm. And uh, now there was one guy who was literally leaving work. He worked for United. And he was driving along the access road. He, he, it was right in front of him where he saw this thing up against the, the fence and these TSA security people were right there with it. They had yeah. the lights, fla- flashlights and everything on. You know, TSA ain't going to do anything. They're going to do is put a flashlight on, you know, hope the thing doesn't kill them or something. But, you know, they're not going to do anything. <laughs> no. um, but this guy, you know, he stopped his car, stepped out and, and pulled his phone up. And boy, the T one of those TSA agents came on him, and they told him, "You get back in your car now and leave." And he's she scared this guy, so uh, he didn't get a photograph. I wish he'd stuck it out, but then again, you know, you know, with Homeland Security and everything, you take a photograph or something like that, they're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna pull you in. So That's he didn't want any trouble. Plus, you know, the airport powers that be and the. Um, the supervisors and the carrier people, they, they're trying to keep this quiet. They're, they, they literally are threatening employees. Mm. You know, I, I hear it all the time. I got people from O'Hara telling me all the time, you know, they're, they're just telling us it's a, either a, uh, a heron or a, a now and just, oh, you know, God, you know yes. don't report it, especially don't report to Lon Strickler and Fan, Phantoms of Mazda. Don't call them guys. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah, we're getting, you know, well, so. the same thing happened in the 60s in Point Pleasant. I mean, it was the yeah. same thing. They were like, oh, it's the sand crane or whatever. whatever yeah, it sand, is. Hill, sand Hill crane. Yeah, that yeah. never was barely around. I mean, it's like, yeah, that that's always issues I have when it comes to um, folks outside of the community that are skeptics, because they think that because they can say it could be something, therefore it can't be your thing. And I'm like, how does that not work in reverse? Right. It's <laughs> like you didn't prove that it was a bird. You yeah. Know? You know, yeah. I, you know, I'm somewhat skeptical, but real skeptics have their own little place in hell as far as I'm yes, concerned. yes. There's a difference you know. between skepticism yeah. and just being an asshole, like <laughs> <Absolutely>. like <laughs> legit. It's just like, that's well, I don't believe you, and it could possibly be bird, and then the burden of proof is on you, not on them. And it's yeah, yeah. Stupid. So you know that that's kind of where we're standing now. Now, of course, this um, there was another sighting up in near Milwaukee at the state fair two weeks ago, and that was an interesting sighting because there was a Christian rock group that just got done <laughs> on the on the stage. And I don't know who these people were that were working on the stage. I, I'm quite sure they were part of their crew. But uh, you know, they had some they had some workers who were hired for the you know the event or for the time the, the fair was going on. And they were down in front of the stage cleaning up, and that's when this thing showed up. And, you know, it's typical of what everybody's been telling us. The bat-like wings, the red eyes, five to six foot in height, dark in color. And this thing would be screeching and, you know, 
doing all kinds of crazy stuff, walking around kind of, and then it would eventually take off. But of course, the uh, one of the newspapers in, in Milwaukee got a hold of this and uh, automatically turned into a demon. So, oh yeah, I'm looking at the article right now. Yeah, so you know, now that made its rounds, and uh, especially following saying, a Christian concert. Come on, <laughs> yeah, that didn't help any. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I guess the demon. I guess Lucifer showed up and wanted to get his yeah, really get his face in there. So yeah. um, so I was but, I was sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask because because you kind of like mentioned it, and then we got into this, you know, into the conversation here. But I want to go back. So you're all doing some remote viewing mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or planning to do some remote viewing. Or what are you hoping to to uncover with that? Just whatever you can? Yeah, you know, I, I have used remote viewing for haunting cases, uh, oppressions, attachments, the whole nine yards. Worldwide, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I have worked cases, especially in the UK, uh, you know, by computer, basically, you know, I, I can get an eye of what's going. I got people there here, yeah. and uh, the, the the lady who taught me to remote view actually used, used to work for MI six, so she uh, she was professionally trained and mm-hmm. uh, uh, she was psychic, and um, she she literally took about six months to train me on how to do it. Mm. And I've been working with others who have been part of that group, and I've got I've got a, I've got a few friends I, I rely on to help me out with that. Uh, like I said, I got a, a a new lady who's working with me now, and uh, uh, she's very good. I mean, she's she's she doesn't know much about remote viewing, though. If she lets me teach her, I'll, I'll teach her. But yeah, uh, but, but it, it, it's just another tool we use. I right, mean, yeah. you know, it, when you get into cases like this, it, it's okay to say, yeah, well. You know, this this there's something going on there, but we can, really can't do much of anything. But if you're if you're able to distant heal, I, I, I use kind of the same techniques for distant healing as I have used for remote viewing. Uh, you know, remote viewing is like a subconscious thing. It really mm-hmm. shouldn't involve any psychic abilities. But nonetheless, you, you get into the l- later levels of remote viewing. You're going to get onto a psychic level with these things. And yeah. um, sometimes they know you're there. Because I have been physically attacked, yeah. psychically attacked by by beings on occasion. I literally had a a laceration from the top of my sternum down to my belly button one time, uh, just cut me. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I know it was the entity that I was trying to move on. Yeah, uh, I've had bruised ribs. I've had a lot of different things happen. So not to get, uh, not to make this uh, uh, too uh, spiritual, but do you, do you like ground and, and, you know, ward and all that kind of stuff before you actually get into doing that? Yeah. I mean, I have, I have my own affirmations and my way of uh, protecting myself before I do this. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's something I've built up over the years, you know, uh, you, you, you've got to ground yourself. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's just the basis of the whole thing. Um, you've got to open yourself up to a certain level to where you can recognize the, uh, you know, it's like use a set sets of numbers, random numbers, and you turn into it. You actually uh, develop an ideogram, which you interpret into something that's actually physical. It, it goes on different levels, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's a long process. Uh, it can take many, many hours just to get a few, a few levels. And it just depends what kind of information you're getting. Yeah. Uh, but as far as with people who are going through hauntings and going through 
attachments and you know sometimes it works a little faster than sometimes it's protracted so uh yeah it runs the gamut but i tell you i um i i would never not use it if, if i could use it i'm using it I, yeah 100 agree i cannot not use my gifts when we're out on any investigation you don't well you don't get it, a chance to turn that off right it's just you know and that's right i mean it's like second nature to you you know when you're doing and this is something that always used to bug the hell out of me you know of course you know paranormal tv everybody you know everybody sees everything and you know everybody you know it's not like a yeah. real investigation but right. um i used to love when people go out there to a, a location and start yelling at the entities say show yourself this oh, and that. Yeah, yeah. And, okay well that doesn't work i'm sorry you know yeah, I'm you not, i don't like the antagonizers at all. <laughs> you use all the dramatics yeah. you want but that isn't going to work and in fact you may end up pissing it off and then mm -hmm. things get worse right uh i i have always said that i believe any any paranormal group that is serious about finding an entity finding an energy and then actually helping the client yeah. needs to have someone who has gifts that's the only way you can do it. You got to have somebody who can move these things on or at least calm the situation down. Right. Well, and that's what's sad is, is that, you know, shows like Ghost Adventures and stuff like that, where he does, he just antagonizes it. You know, I saw a meme the other day was like, didn't they used to hunt ghosts or is it just Zach getting possessed every single show? Right. And it's like a lot of the younger guys that are getting in, that's what they see. And that's what they think they're supposed to do. My old co-host before Josh, he was that guy. And I had to be yeah. like, no, do not let yourself be possessed here, dude. Like this is not the way you're supposed to do it. These entities could need help. We need to protect ourselves if they're not. And, but it's sad. That's kind of happening. Is this, this, we've got to yell at them and cause it's more about yeah. getting, the video than it is you know yeah. about helping it's it's the you know getting uh getting featured on a youtube channel and the getting views and all that kind of stuff and getting you know rather than actually to your point helping whatever it is that is trapped in that space you know you've, you've got real mediums who put it put it on the line just like amy allen you know i yeah. i love i love amy allen because she does things that a lot of people would even try to do uh, but that's the way she is in real life. I mean, mm -hmm. she she is a real physical medium, and she's able to sense out a lot of things. But you talked about Zach. I, I think Zach is cutting his life short every time he goes out. One hundred percent. I mean, his eyes are all messed up now. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. he's just getting more broken and broken every season. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and you can see it. I mean, I mm -hmm. you know I've had people say, oh, "What the hell's wrong with this guy?" Yeah, well, that's the way he works. Yeah, that's what so, he wants. Uh, yeah, party hard, Wayne. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, more power to you, but no yeah. thanks. I'm good. I'm good on that. <laughs> so, so. Uh, keeping it in the paranormal realm now, we're moving into some, some ghosts and stuff. Obviously, you, you know, we don't want your whole life to be remembered as just Chicago Mothman. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Though it know. might end up being like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, but it's like you've been in the game a long time, and I'm sure you've yeah. come across some really interesting cases. And what's what's something, um, you know, what's a case that really stands out to you that is just the most real piece of something that you've been a part of or had affect you? Well, we had a case at a pub in um, in southern Wales. It was in a town called Neath. Um, rural town had a lot of history to it. I mean, you know, a lot of history that went back to the, 
you know, the the, uh, the Normans and the Cistercian mm-hmm. monks yeah. and everything. So it has a lot of, and in fact, doing the investigation was fascinating because we ran into three different levels of history as, as we were working this case. But there was one incident that I will never forget. I've even got, I still got the recording to the chagrin of the, the woman who was running the, uh, <laughs> was running the investigation. But um, this this lady had two of her friends with her from two of her friends from London with her, and they were tagging along uh, when her and her husband were in this in this pub working. And we've been working this pub now for several months. She didn't live that far from it, so what we would do is we'd hook up on Skype. We'd have <laughs> we have the uh, we've had the laptop sitting there and. I'm watching and seeing and trying to pick up energy. And then I had a couple of other colleagues, colleagues here in the United States that were on another computer that they were watching as well. So anyway, uh, they were trying to gather EVPs and, you know, they weren't yelling and screaming and go, act, acting crazy. They were just trying to get some response. So the, the guy and his wife, his, the guy's name was Gary and they were good friends of this the two individuals I was working with. So anyway, uh, we did the EVP session. We did a few other things. I guess we were there about two, two and a half hours. It was getting late. So she went, she took all the equipment, got everything unpacked and packed up everything and went home. Uh, I guess it was about four o'clock my time. Uh, and she called me. Juan, I got I, I, I got to play this for you. I said, well, why? It's a, I picked up an EVP. I got home and started listening to it. You are not going to believe this. Okay. So she played it for me and I heard it and I said, uh, you got to play that again. Mm. And this voice came over this EVP, over this recording and said, Gary, you're going to die now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, no. And it, <laughs> it was like, you know, the, the typical old hag voice and everything. Oh yeah. And I mean, clear as day. And I, I told her, look, you know, the, the, this this thing was just probably trying to scare you. You know, don't yeah. worry about it. Uh, well, should I tell Gary and his wife? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't, God. Don't tell Unless them. Unless you want Gary to have a heart attack. <laughs> well, unfortunately, a week later, Gary was at home in London, and he was showing his a car he was selling to a bunch of teenagers out in front of his house, and they beat him to death. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Week later. So this woman now, I mean, the woman I'm working with now, she's, and I told her, don't ever tell her that we heard this at all. Because oh, she yeah. finds out we knew that. Oh, yeah. Bit, you know, but I kind of felt bad about that. But, uh, you know, that's kind of, that kind of hits home when something like that happens. And well, it's um, always like, what are you going to do with that information anyways? You know, you yeah. can't, there's no specifics just, to it. You know, you know. Stay in your house for a week. I mean, well, then what if you die of carbon monoxide point, right? Well, so I mean, it's, <laughs> you don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, true. I mean, you know, but yeah, that, that kind of stuck with me. Yeah. Bad. I had a case, another case, and it's in my book, alien uh, disclosure, experiences expose reality and i i've been involved with the um the abduction scenario in alien encounters for a long time and you know i've met some really interesting people over that time but this one case and it was actually in the beginning of the book 
but there was a, a young school teacher by the name of Mandy, and she lived down in Western Washington, excuse me, Eastern Washington State, uh, very near the Idaho border. In fact, I, I think she was like a mile away from the border, and she could see the Coeur d'Alene Mountains actually in Idaho from where she was lived, where she lived at. So what happened was they had been noticing these red and white lights above the mountains for weeks. And, you know, they just, well, just UFO activity, fine, you know, bunch of lights, you know, you don't think anything. Right. So one night they had a late dinner. Her, she lived with her mother. And uh, they were washing the dishes. I, it was, I'd say about eight or nine, you know, in the, in the evening. And uh, they started hearing all these popping sounds. And they didn't know where it was coming from. And Mandy looked out the window into the backyard and these red and white orbs were all over the place. And every time one, they, two of them would hit each other, they'd make a loud pop sound. Mm. <laughs> so she went outside and, and, you know, out on the porch and was looking at them and then got scared. Then she ran back in the house, went out into the front room, looked out the picture window and they're out there too. So they got the whole house surrounded with these things. Mm. So she's freaking out. So, um, uh, to make a long story short, this continued for a couple of weeks. And um, then one night they were um, they were at home and all of a sudden the lights went out. And they started hearing something on the roof. They heard something in the attic. Uh, her mother was in the bedroom. She was half asleep, I think. Then Mandy was in her room. She heard it. She went running to her mother. And her mother heard it, it woke her up. So then the lights went out. So they're sitting there for about an hour, scared dead, don't know what the hell is in the house, what's on the roof. But she, like she told me later on, it was like, you know, like little kids running around up there. And, uh, but then the lights came back. Hmm. Uh, they were going to call the cops, but, you know, what the hell are you going to tell the cops? Right. I, you know, I, yeah, I, I heard something up in the attic, but there's nothing up there now. So, you know, well, anyway, she um, there was an investigator in Spokane who uh, asked, you know, she contacted and they told her, call Lon Stricker, ask him about it, see what he thinks. So that she did. So they called me. And uh, we were on the phone for about three hours and they were explaining all this stuff that happened and all this stuff that happened. And um, and I'm trying to gauge what this is going on. I, I didn't have a good feeling about it. Yeah. And, you know, I, but I didn't want to scare, you know, I didn't want to say, well, maybe somebody's sizing you up for an abduction or, or something, you know, but this doesn't sound good. But I didn't tell her that. I, I wish I would have, though. I don't even think it would have helped. But anyway, so we were supposed to talk that next night. Uh, I wanted them to let me know of any activity that happened that night after they went to bed. So I waited and waited and, and I get a, didn't get a phone call for several days. Then the next Sunday, I got a phone call, and it was Mandy's mother. And she was so nice on the phone. She said, I'm sorry, I didn't call you. We didn't call you, but Mandy's gone. What? Hmm. And I said, what do you mean Mandy's gone? Mandy's gone. She left her cars here, all her stuff's here, and she just vanished. She said, I, I went, I was going to bed. Mandy was up in her room. I saw her light on in her room. For underneath the, the door. Yeah. So I knocked on the door, no answer, and I opened the door up and all the lights went out. 
and no mandate. Hmm. So she calls the cops. She, you know, she runs, she goes outside, run around trying to figure out maybe, right. maybe she's outside somewhere or something. Went all through the house. She finally called the cops. Uh, state police showed up. And of course, the cops are saying, well, she ran off with some guy or, right. you know, that her car is still there. And, yeah. You know. But, you know, I know that didn't happen. I, I just know that didn't happen. And uh, it's been 10 years now, and there's still no trace of her. Jeez. Um, and I don't, I don't even know if her mother's still alive. I mean, you know, that's how a, you how you deal with something like that. That's what um, I was say. That's the stuff that'll stick with you. Yeah, I, and I, I, you know, I felt bad about not saying anything to her. <sighs> Could it have helped? I don't know. You know, what, what yeah. am I going to tell? You know, hide in the closet the rest of your life? No, that's not going to help. Uh, they, they were scared. I mean, it was they they she telling me it was like living in hell with those mm-hmm. couple of nights with all the noises and everything. But uh, yeah, that that's one of them that sticks in my mind too. So those two, those are enough actually. But I know. Well, well, now they're going to stick in my mind, and I'm going to have nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> I mean, it's already bad enough, oh, but you know, heartbreaking. That's, that's the worst part of uh, for me. The the movie Signs, that M Night Shyamalan movie. The worst part for me is when they're like. He's tucking his kid into bed. He looks out the window and this thing standing on the roof of the barn. Yeah. And that's like, it gets me every single time. And it's just like, I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and I know that's fiction, but it's still, it's, it's a little bit based on fact, I think. So, well, I, I think a lot of that is based on fact. I mean, I, I hear all kinds of crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, you'll read a case and you'll think, oh, that's a, damnest thing I've ever read. I mean, I don't know if I want to believe it or not. Then somebody will, somebody will write a script for a TV show and it's the same <laughs> thing. So you know that's where it came from. Yeah, uh, That's happened many times. And um, But, yeah, I mean, you, you've been doing this as long as I have. You, you hear a lot of weird things, but every once in a while you'll get one that'll just stick in your crawl and, yeah. you know, you, you, you know I, I was literally thinking about quitting doing all this mm. when that happened. I really was. It, it did upset me. You know, we but, we were contacted. I don't know a couple of years ago, maybe about maybe a year and a half ago or something, um, with someone <laughs> who had these uh, red marks on the red grid uh, patterns. The red grid pattern, and, and that led us into understanding and look, researching into what what red grid pattern is, and and I, you know, it just knowing that that's a thing that affects all kinds of people, and it's so random and. And um, I mean, it's just there's there's so much odd phenomena that is encompassed in the overall phenomena that nobody really talks about. It's like, well, and then you're like, where do you send these people to? Right. It's like, obviously not the cops, obviously not. You know, people are looking for answers and that's our whole show is looking for answers. So we're not necessarily the right people. But it's like we I mean, we spent months trying to find help for that family. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been involved with a case of a. um Oh God, and it, 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 I call it the uh, Sioux City entity case, and you know, it's actually, a pair of ladies I've been working with who are both beacons. Uh, they got a young daughter who is actually <laughs> a psychic. Uh, I knew when she was eight, nine years old when she was growing up that there was, you know. And a lot of times when you start working with families, you'll find that because these energies are drawn to people who have a lot of gifts, mm-hmm. especially families where you have kids that are able to see a lot of different things. 
So, you know, it all started out with a lot of weird stuff going on, stuff flying around the house. Um, it, it was something that followed them from, they, they had lived down in Arlington, Texas, and they moved up to, eventually moved up to Sioux City, Iowa. And uh, I, I believe that this entity literally put their mother in a nursing home with mm. dementia. Uh, this thing was this thing was strong. And uh, the case itself, you know, I, I worked a long time at this thing and I was just really grasping for for one thing. You know, the typical phenomena with stuff flying around the house, the three the three scratches on the back, which seem to happen. You know, that's one commonality with the scratches on the back or on the arm. And it happens in a shower that, you know, these things yeah. are attracted to the water in the bathroom. Bathroom is the heart of most houses. It really is. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she was speaking all kinds of crazy languages and writing all kinds of crazy stuff. And literally, I'd be at home on the computer and be looking at the camera and her face would just literally change in front of me. Mm. I mean, it was just it was just unbelievable. Uh, in fact, they had a couple of priests come in there and run out the door because they they, they couldn't handle it. Uh, so yeah, so I started getting involved with that. And, but the worst part of that, that particular, uh, that particular, uh, haunting or whatever you want to call it, uh, compelling or was that this entity had something to feed on all the time. And it, it wasn't because of the residents. It wasn't because of dysfunction or, you know, people yelling and screaming and act like a bunch of idiots and causing negative energy. It was because at Sioux Gateway Airport several years ago, and I forget the date, but there was a major airline crash, and they lived right across the street from the air, from the airport. Mm. And it was like over 100 people had died. And uh, those, those spirit energies were earthbound. A lot of them were earthbound. And they were getting into the residences near mm. the airport. And this thing had plenty to feed on because, you know, an earthbound energy is like manna to a malevolent spirit yep. or a malevolent entity. Even even, even like what they call shadow folk, shadow mm -hmm. people, those things are just deadly. But they, you know, they fed on this. And I, we literally had to seal the house up to keep these things out. Uh, you know, I was out, we were out in the backyard one day looking toward the airport at night. And I'm, you know, of course, I'm on the computer. Then the girls are out there, and I'm picking up stuff moving around, you know, manifestations all over the place. It, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. So we, we, even though it was a duplex they lived in, I, I don't know if the neighbors got upset, but I, I literally had her get salt the place. I had her, you know, put a thick line of salt all the way around the property, uh, and they kind of stopped it, you know, but they eventually moved, and unfortunately. Uh, the one girl, Sabrina, who was the, the main focus uh, of, of the attack, uh, they all moved out into a farmhouse out outside of uh, Sioux City, and it picked back up again. And in fact, there was already an entity there that was had issues. So you know that that kind of lasted for um, several years until it got to the point where myself and this woman I'm working with now were able to clear. It. But it took a long time. Wow. It took a long time. 
weird you know and i always wonder about things uh you know and maybe this is the ghostbusters in me but like a, a an actual house or an architect creating a portal or something right uh, my great grandmother lived in a house that at the bottom of the stairs was a closet and we as kids always knew it was haunted grandma's always like just stay away from that closet blah blah well it's a i'm originally from toledo ohio it's a pretty <laughs> common home design my dad ended up buying a house that had the exact same layout and like all the grandchildren were always like just that i don't know that closet's scary and then my sister moved into a house she had issues we had friends my sister and i had done a house cleansing and they pointed to that exact same little closet at the end of the stairway and it made me wonder after over after seeing seven or eight of these and every one of them saying that that closet at the bottom of the steps is haunted i'm like man did the architect that created this did he create something scary in there like mm. for anyone that built that home yeah <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, it, it, it seems to be something invariably that goes on in the Midwest. I don't know what it is, but mm -hmm. you will get you will get blocks of residents that have haunting issues. Our whole uh, I don't know street, if it's called yeah. the architecture or just the way things are built or just you know, it's just a neighborhood that's got portals or vortexes mm -hmm. or it's just cursed. You know, there's a lot of indigenous activity in the Midwest. Or is it and, just that you know, a lot so, of wars and stuff. So there's a lot of yeah. stuff be, that was imprinted. Yeah. So well, he it, had it, Toledo had War of 1812 stuff, ton of that mm. that happened there. But yeah. I know our neighborhood and the extended neighborhood was near near downtown Toledo, and that's where the city cemetery used to sit until they started to expand. So they moved everything. Mm. Um, and you know, when we were kids, my brother had a metal detector. We'd find coffin handles and and things like that, <laughs> and you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, that's why our neighborhood was all haunted. I can just yeah. everybody's got stories about their houses and stuff as well as I do but i think the root cause there and of course then there's the rumor that it was an indian burial ground before all of that of course so. yeah i wish i had a nickel for every indian burial ground people talk about <laughs> thank you poltergeist <laughs> <laughs> yeah that movie was a trip i actually i actually knew the guy who wrote the, the screen the screenplay for spielberg for that movie and I, I, I had to ask, you got to be crazy. I mean, you know, I can't believe Spielberg even bought into this whole thing. But uh, yeah, none of that was even remotely true or could have been true. So, well, you, yeah. the house imploding wasn't real. Yeah, yeah. Going into Absolutely. the TV wasn't really happening. <laughs> now, the little short psychic lady, real. Yeah. Zelda yeah, was yeah. real. Yeah. Well, you, you, yeah, that plus the fact that they referenced the. Um, the UCLA uh, uh, parapsychology department, mm -hmm. and that was real. That was Barry yeah. Taff and Barry Conrad, and you know that's basically where that concept came from. And uh, you know they did some really, some really landmark cases. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so there was a little bit of truth in there, but it wasn't a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I want to be respectful of your time, and I know we we've been going here for for about an hour, I think, and. Um, so I wanted to give uh, for for folks who uh, can, where can they find uh, information about you or what you've got going on your books. Uh, you've got a radio show. Where can they find all that? Well, I'm an open book, so if you just put my name on Goo, you're going to find all kinds of things, good <laughs> and bad. Uh, but it's phantomsandmonsters.com, and uh, everything's there. All my books are listed there. Uh, I recently had 
my last three books republished with new covers and a few odd things changed and uh you know for basic marketing but it, it they mm-hmm. did a really good job it was uh uh beyond the free publishing i got a shout out for them and um yeah and my, my the group i started was uh fans of monsters 14 research uh, that website is cryptidhunters.org and all the uh, Chicago stuff's there, plus all yep. our cases that we do is there as well. Uh, you know, it's in we got I got Arcane Radio, which is seen which is live every Friday night on Beyond Explanation YouTube channel. Um, and uh, you know, that's kind of it, but you know, there's always something. I mean, you know, I'm sticking my foot in something all the time. Oh, we we love <laughs> yeah. it. We love following your work, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, just you know giving us your time tonight. I yeah, wish no we problem. could talk forever because boy, I I want to dig into your experience a lot. Well, you know, like I said, if, you know, if you want to want me come back, just go. You got for do sure. Ask. again thank you so much lon strickler what what an amazing guy um not just blowing sunshine up your old keister but we really really appreciated you spending time with us and um just sharing man some of those stories got me man I feel like it's like we 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 touched the tip of the iceberg and there's so much more to really uncover there. Oh, so. it reminded me of of Eno, you know, like just the experience. Yeah. Like I want them in the same room together, you know, talking about what it was like in the 60s and 70s, you know what I yeah. mean, like being young and and nobody into this stuff. Like I can't imagine, you know, and, and which I mean, is, it, to us we feel isolated, right? So imagine 40, yeah. 50 years ago being isolated. I mean, they How were, isolated it was. Right. They were trailblazers, right? So, yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's so cool. We're just trail walkers. So, <laughs> not to trail be confused walkers. with skinwalkers. Not, no, I, it is not a skinwalker, nor is it Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> it is not Walker, Texas Ranger. You are could correct, it, sir. Could <laughs> it, but, but can a skinwalker do a roundhouse kick? It just depends if they've got jujitsu training. Okay, then. Thanks. Roadhouse. JD. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you, JD, don't answer it because I ain't got time for you, but I bet you you've got like five forms of martial arts that you have (laughs) studied, especially that Brazilian one that looks like uh, dancing or whatever. Dancing, you dance fighting. And drunken style. You know, he's in on that. Yeah. But, anyways, again, thank you, Lon, so much. Uh, We appreciate you guys. Get out there and get his books um remember go to uh we've got cryptidhunters.org as well as phantoms and monsters.com uh so much cool stuff on both of those cryptid hunters i follow a lot because that's where mo- the majority of the chicago mothman stuff has been being posted um but yeah there is so much just amazing content on those websites uh and you will not be disappointed uh, lon is such an amazing guy and his books are pretty fantastic as well um so but again thank you yeah uh, but josh we got things we gotta do man we gotta go you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. we do Uh, I want to quickly remind everyone to download, if you're on an Android, to download the Fearscape Media Network app. Uh, Really fantastic app. Uh, You guys heard us talking to Chrissy about it because we love it so much, and I legit love it. It is really easy to use. All the episodes for every show are on there in order, the way that you want to listen. If you're like me, I Bluetooth it to my car, so I just listen straight off the app. Uh, It's really, really great. I really enjoy that. Um, You can you know, just type in Fearscape media network 
uh, into your Google Play. Um, go to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. Uh, there's all sorts of links uh, and as well as fearscapemedia.com uh, for all of the uh, network shows uh, and yep. the like. And uh, we should be coming up on a... If not, maybe this week, I think on a new Astral Stew probably just dropped. So be on the lookout for that on YouTube. Um, that's always so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love me some Santosh. We need to get him back on the podcast, by the yep. way, um, for sure. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into our final segment of the evening. Of course, Encounters from the Fearscape. All right, Josh, our encounters from the Fearscape uh, love our people so much for uh, just sharing these stories with us and uh, all this stuff. And some of them are just crazy and heartbreaking, like Lon's stories. I mean, I'm going to sit with that missing woman. I've already started researching her um, and just all of that. What just wow. Um, But here's a story that comes from a listener. Uh, named Robin from Louisiana. So let's go ahead and take a listen to what her story is. When I was 10 years old, my uncle passed away. His services were held at an older, well-known funeral home in New Orleans. Now, when I walked up to his coffin, my mom walked up beside me. I had a pen that I was wearing, and I asked my mom if it was okay to pin it upon him, which she said, absolutely, and helped me actually pin it on him. I walked out of that room into the large main hallway and started to walk toward the main entrance doors to go outside for fresh air. I was about 20 feet from the doors when all of a sudden, one of the doors just started opening. Now I froze in my tracks. The doors were not automatic and no one was coming through. The door opened by itself, completely. I turned around to see if anyone else saw it, and my dad, my brother, and another uncle who had been talking to each other were staring at the door with their mouths hanging open. I ran to my daddy and started crying. Now, after that, we left because I was shaking and crying so much, I was completely freaked out. I was not allowed to go to the funeral the next day. Now, as an adult, and uh, upon thinking back on it, I'm sure that it was probably my uncle opening the door for me to thank me for that pen that I put upon him. Mm. Mm. Wow. wow. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> yeah, though, uh, these are the stories that I like to hear, you know, especially you kind of getting that feeling, that that sensation that, you yeah. know, this is... You know, I always quote Andrea Perrin and I'm misquoting right now, but it's like we are scared of the paranormal at first only because we think we should be, you know, and so it's yeah. Well, what really gets me and I I think I've been listening to a lot of stuff on uh, various folks talking about uh, people with gifts and things. And and I think what a lot of people don't realize is, uh, is I think everybody has the gifts. Everybody has these gifts locked away Um, and. You know, whether you think of it as, you know, that that gut feeling that you get when you meet somebody and you're like, I don't know if I should be around this person or uh, what, you know, or, or, you know, you you feel like you should make a left hand turn, even though you normally turn right. right. Those types of intuitions really come from those psychic gifts. And so you, right. your your body is just reacting to it them. T- it takes work. It's like anybody 
can run a marathon, right? But you can't just go run a marathon, right? We can all run for a little while, right? Just like we get those quick intuitions. But, you know, I, I agree. I think it's a muscle that needs worked on and, and built and continued to believe in. And you'll find that power. Now, unless you're Forrest Gump, then you can just run. You just, I just can't. Well, I was, well, I was running. running. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, uh, what a great show tonight, Josh. I just, what, I'm just always in awe when we have guests on because they just blow my freaking mind, but not as much as our listeners, our blanket huggers out there. Just a reminder, uh, get out there, patreon.com slash fearscape pod and uh, help us out. And uh, you would have gotten to see this live stream, which was really cool. There's a little bit of extra there that the Patreon folks got to uh, see, which was kind of cool. Yeah. But other than that, Josh, let's rock and roll. Let's get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. Just a reminder, the first weekend in October, we're going to be in Louisville, Kentucky at the, uh, 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 I can never remember the name of it. Fright uh, Fest. Fright Fright Film Fest and Paracon. Uh, It's going to be awesome. Uh, We're going to be there. Come say hi to us. We got some freebies we're going to be giving out and, you know, just some some cool stuff. Even Lance is going to be there from Misters of the Dark. So check that out. Santosh is going to be there, too, I think. Oh, I know we were working on it. I knew we were working on it. So that I don't know. I know Santosh is there. Then uh, both him and I will both be doing tarot readings because I'll be doing tarot readings. So uh, be on the lookout for that. But let's get out of here again. Thank you guys so much. This has been Stefan. And uh, keep your eyes on the skies, guys. This has been Josh. The truth is now. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight. Things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. We hope you have enjoyed this guidepost on the road of high strangeness with us. And we thank you, as always, for listening and joining our caravan to the weird and unknown please consider supporting us as we continue our journey to find the answers we all seek. Fearscapepodcast.com forward slash support.